Hello everyone. I hope you're having a good day and I hope that you are staying inside and stay safe. And remember to sanitize, sanitize, sanitize. I today wanted to share with you a story in my life, uh, one of many that I have to share. Um, it's actually titled Just Say No. And I had this relationship a few years back and I wanted to talk about it. And I think it helps me to talk about it. Now I met this guy while he was in jail. He was a friend of a friend of a friend. And I thought he was pretty hot. So uh, he wanted me to visit. And the visiting was at least one time a week just to hang out and talk and chill and you know, it only lasted 45 minute visit, so, you know. And we had phone calls and stuff like that too, so when I couldn't go visit. And he had a year left when I met him. So I did visits every week, I tried. And he seemed like a good guy, but I was worried what it would be like for him to get out and live with me. He was a very jealous man. He had been cheated on many times, so I had to deal with his insecurities. And in the month that he was due to be released, I kind of pulled back a little bit. I didn't go see him. I didn't take his phone calls. I had doubts how, you know, this would work out. So his release date came and went, and I had thought I didn't have to worry about him showing up. Then two weeks after his release, you know, bam, there he is. And he was staying with his mother. And he asked, could he stop over and say, hey? And I said, I said, sure. He came, hung out for a bit. And daily he kept calling, stopping by, hanging out. And we eventually made a decision for him to move in with me. So, <clears throat> so it was nice what we had planned in the beginning, you know. He used to uh, visit his mo- his mother, excuse me, and his brothers. And I noticed that his mother was always giving him pills for this, pills for that. She was like a pharmacy. She had a lot of health problems and she had a wide variety of medication to go along with it. So when he would come home, he would be high as a kite. And I had mentioned that it wasn't a good idea for him to keep taking her medication. But he would just pretty much say, it's no big deal. It doesn't affect me like that. And so I had wanted to move back to Dublin. And that was a very good area that I really enjoyed when I first came to Ohio. And it was about three hours from his mother and brothers, which was okay by me. He had mixed feelings about being so far away from his family, but he came with me anyways. And we had a new start in a wonderful city that I love. And he found work really fast, which we were happy about. He made enough money to pay our bills and still had money left over. And then I stayed home with the kids, took care of the house, the pets, you know, all that. And he had a hobby, which was tattoos. He was always really good at that. And he really loved doing them. Uh, He started to make friends at work, and they wanted to get a few tats here and there. Well, one guy came over to get a tat with his girlfriend and his new baby. Cutest baby in the world. They seemed very nice. You know, they were on the younger side. 
And then before they got started on that tattoo, they both went into my master bedroom bathroom. And I was like, the hell are they doing in there together? So I walked into my room and then peeked into the door. And I, you know, was like, what are you guys doing? And then I opened the door and they were wiping their noses, rinsing the sink out, rinsing their hands off. And then in my mind, I kind of knew what they were doing. I didn't know what they were snorting, but they were snorting something. I just didn't have actual proof yet. So I watched them doing this tat and they were really like really speeding, like talking a mile a minute and just acting real weird, real jumpy. And then when they were done and his friend left, I asked him, you know, what the hell are you doing in the bathroom with him? And he told me, oh, he was just talking to me in private. I was like, bullshit, you two were in there doing something and I don't appreciate you allowing him into my room, into my master bedroom, no less, to snort some kind of drug. And he said he would tell him in the future not to bring anything with him. So I knew he was doing drugs with him. From that point on, I didn't trust him anymore. He would come home, tell me about his day, and some of the guys he worked with were hooked on drugs and living in their trucks because they spent all of their money uh, on drugs. I was like, wow. I said, that's too bad. You know, he agreed with me, of course. So there were no more instances, but soon his attitude changed and he was angry a lot and sleeping a lot. I figured it was work stressing him out you know, then he would give me money to take care of things, you know, that we needed in the house. And then he would ask for it back because he was out of money. And of course I asked him, what was he doing with the money that he had? Cause he made really good money and he would get mad and storm out. So I started to pay attention more. He would go get cigarettes and come back all calm and sleepy. Like he, you know, like he woke up and then he'd wake up and he was like tripping. Then he'd go out for five minutes and come back all calm. And I told him he had to come clean. I knew he was doing some sort of drug. He broke down, said he had been taking Percocets and he was snorting them. He said he needed, you know, them because of pain and, uh, you know, all kinds of things. And then he broke down, said he needed help to get off of him. So we took him to a place to do his rehab. And we finally found one that was actually decent, or so I thought. And he had to check in the next day. So I drove him there. He was nervous and wanting those pills badly before he checked in. He was sick with throwing up, shaking, and all kinds of things because he didn't have his pills. And I felt really bad for him. And I was just like, wow, how horrible must that feel? And then, well, they set him up for seven days of rehab. And I must say, I felt peaceful when he was gone. He couldn't call because they took the cell phones from him. Um, so it was really nice to not have to worry about him calling. So I picked him up after the seven days and he seemed better. But after one week back at work, he was the same. He went back to that same job and they all did drugs. So he was bound to start again because he was hanging with the same people. So I talked to him and told him he has to try again or him and I were done. 
I didn't want to seem heartless, but I can only deal with it for so long if he doesn't want to get better. So he went back into rehab for the second time. Seven days again. When he got back out into the drugs he ran to. Um, He kept sliding back into the drugs and needed more time in rehab, I thought. So we checked him in again. And he went for two weeks this time. He called me about seven days in and said they wanted him to sign up for 28 days in rehab. And he wanted to know what I thought. I said, it's a good idea. Maybe he did need more time. He then turned it around on me, got mad and said I wanted him, that I wanted him to be gone 28 days. And why did I want him gone? I was like, what? I was like, you just called me to see if it was a good idea. Now it's, I want you in there longer. I don't understand. I was like, wow, really? And then he got mad and just said, oh, pick me up in a week. So he wasn't going to do the 28 day idea because he thought I was out there, you know, doing God knows what. And um, so he just made no sense, no sense at all. So in a week, I went ahead and picked him up and, you know, all was good. He seemed normal. And I told him if he backslides this time, I'm done. So he was good for another week. Then he started to go back to his fiending is what we call it. And he was acting up. And in the middle of the night, he'd ask for my engagement ring. So I was really mad so that he could pawn it and he would get it out again on payday. I couldn't believe it. I got like so angry. I said, you know what? Here, take it. I don't even want it anymore. You could sell it. You could pawn it, whatever you want to. I told him I was done and he had to leave. Well, there was a verbal argument, you know, we back and forth words and he got all his things and took them. I said, you got to go. And uh, I locked the door after he left and I told the kids not to open the door for him at all. He kept coming by and screaming at me to open the door. And then he went through the crying phase saying he loved me and couldn't live without me. Then he would switch back to being mad because I told him to leave. And my anxiety was at an all-time high during this part. And him refusing to stop coming by, acting up, didn't help at all. And I called the police and made a report about his stalking. I showed them the text that I had saved. And they took a report and gave me a case number to file for a protective order with the court. I did not feel safe at all, so I wanted to make sure I took care of that. And then... What ended up happening is I made a decision to leave because he just wouldn't stop. So I said, well, I'm going to find a place, you know, decent, nice place where, you know, I could move and where he couldn't find me. So I was looking and everything like that. And then I found something. So during the time he would be at work, that's when we moved. And it was me and my son moving all the items into the truck. My two girls helped me too, but they were little. So, you know, they couldn't really do too much. And then we finished by late afternoon. I turned in the keys to the apartment. And then I I felt very peaceful from that. I felt like I didn't have to worry about him barting himself into, you know, the house or anything like that. And then I changed my phone number. And I never had to deal with him again. 
It was one of the worst mistakes that I have ever made in my life. I did learn a lot from this, though, this point in my life, and I will never let myself get to that point again. I have no idea where he is, and I don't want to know. My life is normal again, and I like normal. I had never dealt with someone who was addicted to drugs before, so that was an eye-opener. And it is not easy for them to beat the drugs, as I have seen it up close. And that habit is something else. You know, I tried to be patient and understanding, but a person can only take so much. I tried and tried, but in the end, there was nothing I could do. He had to want to stop. I mean, if someone needs your help, you know, help them as much as you can. But if they don't help themselves, there's really nothing you can do. I do pray for his safety and his health. You know, that's pretty much all I could do anyway. This was a very low time in my life. I was depressed, sad, alone. I just didn't know what to do. Um, And it was hard to get out of that depression during that time. But I was going to see my counselor and I was, you know, she had me on my medication. So that helped a little bit, but you know, it didn't really help as much as I would have liked. And, you know, God was the only person I could turn to at that point. And if it wasn't for him, I don't know, you know, what I'd be able to do. Um, So, you know, just always, you know, try to be kind, but don't let yourself get, you know, abused by someone that may be going, you know, going dealing with drugs or, you know, being argumentative and things like that you just kind of got to know when enough is enough and you got to walk away and you know it may you know sound easy but it's actually not it's really difficult but I just wanted to leave you with that little tidbit of my life and I hope you enjoyed listening to it and then I wanted you to, to leave you with a quote it is rise above the storm and you will find sunshine. And I hope you all are doing well. Have a good night. Bye-bye.